Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm for fame. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now, on today's episode, we've got on Pat Stedman, and he is a professional dating and relationship coach. So welcome to the show, man. It's good to be here, Zuby. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. So how did you get into the world of dating and relationship coaching? Because that's a, that's, a, that's a very um, unique, very u- unique profession right there. So tell us your story. Yeah. So just in brief, um, I mean, about a decade ago, I didn't know what I was doing with women. I just got out of a serious relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought that was pretty much the end for me. Didn't think I'd ever end up with a girl like that. A girl, like an attractive girl again. And then I fell into the game, like a lot of other people got into a lot of pickup stuff. And then gradually that got more nuanced over time. So I started to borrow from people who were talking a lot more about authenticity and then even like playing around with like hippie spirituality stuff. And then coming back into the manosphere, a lot of the red pill things. So I'm, I'm really a synthesizer by nature. Okay. And I try to get really deep and so a lot of the work I do with clients as a result is, is very deep, um, really deals with beliefs and whatnot. Okay. So, so yeah, I've been doing it since 2015 and it's been great. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your, your life before all this. I mean, what was it that, um, I like to, I like to, what, whatever someone is doing now, I like to sort of hit rewind and go back and see what were the sort of key points in, in their life or in their overall journey that sort of led to them doing doing what they're doing now. So tell us a little bit more about your background and your story. Yeah. So I was really in training to be something with like international relations law. Uh, that's what I did in, in university. And then when I got out of that, I was about to go to law school. I was working at an investigations company. I was a private investigator actually. Mm-hmm. So I had like even dabbled around. I mean, I, when I was in college, there was even like, you know, 
this is UPenn, there's like CIA recruitment stuff. And so I was always very much like investigating and trying to understand what's, what's going on behind the surface. But the, the dating stuff was just on my own time. Mm-hmm. And I was in a little form and I was helping people with that. And I'd gone through the process of getting to law school, got in, but then I de- declined to go because of the, the cost. It just kind of hit me. It was like, once my ego was out of it, yeah. I realized this wasn't actually what I, what I wanted to do. And so I took a big promotion at work and just kept doing more of this dating stuff on my own. And then eventually when it was time to, to leave that, because I didn't want to stay in the corporate world, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys who were in this forum that I'd been helping, they asked me, I mean, they basically said that I should go into it professionally as a coach. Because mm-hmm. it was like a forum that was based around another dating coach, Nick Sparks. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was at the point where I was basically doing more of the teaching than he was in this forum, in the forum. So, uh, that's, so I I jumped in and then to be honest, the first like two years, two, three years were pretty rough. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you get involved with, um, a new business and there's mindset stuff that isn't quite there, that was sabotaging me big time. And I had to figure out my voice and wasn't until around 2017 that that happened. And then things started to really take off. I gotcha. So you know, you said you started out. To be honest, like like most men do, um, you know, a little bit a little bit clueless in in, in your own words. Mm-hmm. So, how did you go from that to being in a position where you are actually able to coach other people, especially on something that is as I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know the right word. You know, like dating and relationship coaching to me to me personally is not like a weird thing at all. Mm-hmm. I think that makes total sense. I think people should probably, relationships are an extremely important part of people's lives. So it's weird how people have this, a lot of people have this sort of like thing in their head that, oh, you know, nobody should need relationship coaching or nobody should need dating coaching. But then you kind of look out there at what's actually going on in the real world. And you look at like the success of relationships and marriages and, you know, what's going on with men and what's going on with women. And it's like, well, clearly people need some guidance here. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what's been your own personal journey from going from being, you know, clueless or just not really knowing what's going on to being able to do what you do now? Well, it, it is funny you say that. I mean, people are, I think the only way that people even have a baseline to understand what I do is because of Hitch. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that gives them <laughs> some idea that they're, oh yeah, it's like your Hitch. It's okay. like, yeah. Um, it's interesting because when I went down this path a decade ago, I mean, it was still relatively niche, very tiny. A lot of the the stuff that's now, some of which is like really permeated even the quasi mainstream thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very tiny community at that point. And I thought that the, I was some kind of like, you know, weirdo that like I, I had like a problem that I like, I struggled with him and other people didn't. Gotcha. And so going through that process, though, is, has been a really big gift for multiple levels because, first off, I got to experience what it was like going from the very bottom, like having a hard time even just creating basic attraction. Mm-hmm. And to be, to be fair, a lot of this was actually in my head. Like, I wasn't as bad, I don't think, as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first girlfriend was, was a very attractive girl, so obviously it wasn't but I had low self-worth and I did not understand how women work. And so as far as I was concerned, everything was like, 
if, if it was impossible. So starting to understand that, understanding social dynamics, understanding sexual dynamics, uh, gradually it's like it made more sense. I got more confidence in that realm. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is that, I mean, it's not cool, but from a business perspective, it's been good because of all the, the BS going on culturally and with society. And I know you know all about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- like there's actually an enormous demand for it now. Okay. Um, people, a lot of people still have a hard time trying to get over that, like the conceptual block that they need help with it. But as mm-hmm. you noted, I mean, it's one of those things that there's only a subset of the population at the moment that is open to doing it. Sure. Um, but there's an enormous number of people who actually need it. There's an enormous amount of people who are struggling. Mm. So, so yeah, it's been good. And and just coming from the bottom up, because I think that guys who are naturals, Mm -hmm. for instance, obviously it's great for them when it comes to, to meeting women and it comes to to dating, et cetera, but they don't actually understand where someone's head is in an earlier point in it. Yeah. It's the same thing for me with like my marriage, right? So I have the benefit of of having gone from like the bottom of dating to like being able, you know, dating multiple attractive women at the same time, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then with my relationship, you know, we like we got serious and I started a business and like and it wasn't doing well and and like the r- relationship started to go down to like kill zone area. Mm-hmm. And so I also understand, and now it's like amazing, but like I, I went down the, that loop too. So it's also been really beneficial now for guys who are in relationships. I'm not like talking from this, you know, this position, like I haven't been there. Yeah. yeah. So. So what was your own learning process, man? I mean, I know you're a, you're, you're, you're a married man, so, you know, you don't need to go into anything that's <laughs> going to potentially get anyone in trouble. But I mean, what did you, you know, what was your what was your own personal journey in in that sense you know when it was like okay i wanna you said you were contributing to this forum did you join it initially i guess i'd imagine you probably joined it initially more to like learn and get tips and then maybe over time you reached a position where you were able to actually help other people how did that i'm trying to just get get my head yeah. around how that how that happened so i actually worked with him I worked okay. with Nick's. So everybody who was in that, for, in that forum, it was really a Facebook group. Okay. Everybody who was in it were people who had worked under Nick. And, and that was like a boot camp, what we would call it, where okay. you know, he'd take you out for a long weekend and you'd go and approach girls and you'd mm-hmm. learn how to escalate situation. Um, it was amazing. I mean, I, I learned so much from it. A lot of things crystallized over that period. And I, I think that, so my, my journey was... Well, the first thing for me, and this is what I credit that book, The Game, even though it's, it's I would not recommend it as like a tactical guide, yeah. um, although it's amazing writing. I mean, Neil Strauss is a really good writer, mm-hmm. but it gave me this idea that who I was, I could change. And prior to that, it's like hard to believe now, but at that time, like I thought that I didn't have any agency over any of those things. Yeah. So that shift was important. And then it was, it was going out in college, trying to expand a social circle, trying to meet girls, trying to you know, sleep with girls pretty much. Um, and it was just practice, just yeah. practice, practice and paying attention, trying to understand. And then gradually I started to like, it, I was, after I accumulated enough tips or whatever and tactical advice, start mm-hmm. to think deeper about it. Well, what's actually going on under the hood? And, and that's really been the trajectory. Like I always try to figure things out. I'm very 
very inquisitive. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was almost like a, I don't want to, almost a somewhat, somewhat scientific approach, right? Like an analytical mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, this is, I'm going to try this and this is the result. I'm going to try that. And that is the result. Um, is it, was it, was that kind of how the process was? A huge amount of that, okay. but, but I will say this because there are people who are, who are super, super analytic and they're looking for like systems and stuff. Yeah. One of the, uh, I try to understand it, but mm-hmm. the biggest thing is emotion and vibe. Mm-hmm. It's the most important thing. And so guys who get too analytical about it, they sort of miss, like you need to feel your way through situations. So what mm-hmm. I like to do is feel my way through a situation and then afterwards try to put together what was happening, but you don't want to be in your head. You don't want yeah. to be following a program. I mean, some people it's maybe useful training wheels, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a good habit to get into because then you get used to being rehearsed. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's also becomes, I don't know. I think it's weird because it can become too cold and clinical, right? Especially because you're, you're talking, we're not, we're not talking about dealing with dealing with widgets or, you know, putting together like coding or something, right? <laughs> you're talking about like human, human interactions, right? So this doesn't even have to be specifically between men and women or anything romantic, but if you're just dealing with people and having a conversation with people, like it would be really awkward if I were like, going through some sort of checklist on this podcast right now of like, okay, I need to say this and then ask that. And if he responds this, uh, I've got some decision tree. And it's like, it's like, mm, you know, if you're doing that in any human interaction, then you're you, at that stage, you've kind of lost the point. You've kind of lost the plot again, right? Well, you know, Zuby, it's, it's a really common thing yeah. in, the, in the dating world, unfortunately. And I get it to an extent for some guys because they are, a lot of them actually legitimately come from computer like encoding backgrounds. So mm-hmm. for them, this is, that's sort of like their, their stepping stone. Some okay. of them get stuck there though. And they actually look at it like a game and their whole objective in life is accumulating notches. And it's yeah, yeah. personally, I think pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. I understand. Like I'm, my philosophy towards this stuff is very much about, like, okay, I understand where you're at and what you may need to do to get where you're at. But I always try to get guys to the end goal, even if they have to, they may have to move through a couple of steps, Sure. but the objective is for them to be able to actually have a stronger connection with a human being and something that's real and meaningful rather than, than fake. Yeah. Uh, so, so what kind of, what kind of guys come to you and what sort of issues or problems are sort of the most most common what do you normally see or hear there's a couple of different subsets i mean there's some guys who they they can get girls right it's not, but there's there's deeper stuff that they're missing especially when it comes to themselves there may be mm-hmm. one or two like things that's stopping them from getting like a really quality girl a girl who they want to spend more time with mm-hmm. um you know commit to long term other guys sort of more of a standard story where they've struggled, struggled pretty much to get girls at all. Maybe they've had a couple, but it's been mostly a, a difficult journey for them. So for sure. them, a lot of it is going into the deep work mm-hmm. and dealing with a lot of the beliefs around that and then getting them out and, okay. and getting them just practicing. And what happens is as they take action, we take those experiences and then I help them to understand not only what happened in that experience, but also what is the theme there. So the whole idea is, you know, I have almost, I mean, I would say like at least nine out of 10 clients Mm 
mm-hmm. I'm done with within three to six months okay. of working with them. And then at that point, it's not to say that like their entire life is completely different, mm-hmm. but, um, or, or what I, what I mean to say about is that they don't need any help. Like they don't, they've, they're getting like every girl that they ever want. It's not like that, but they have all the tools to yes. go out there and to continue to learn. Yeah. And then I have guys who are in relationships and the sort of two subsets of that are guys who, and this is a, a more common one, unfortunately, guys whose relationships have really like deteriorated quite mm-hmm. substantially. And a lot of them are really on the verge of divorce. Uh-huh. And I would say, now my objective for those guys is, okay, we're not like, this isn't about saving your marriage. And that may seem counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. it takes two people to save a marriage. Sure. So you can't control what she's going to do, but what mm. you can do is you can control what you're going to do. And we're going to get you in a situation where you're maximizing your potential of, of bringing her behavior in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But if she doesn't go that way, you're going to come out of it in a phenomenal position to get into something great in the future. Yeah. And if guys come in to try to work with me and they don't have this, they're, they're not like, like they're not committed to themselves. If they're mm-hmm. still oriented towards like, I have to do everything I possibly can to save this relationship. Yeah. It's like, it's not going to work. Yeah. 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 And how did you, um, I mean, I, I do, I do coaching myself, right? I, I do life coaching. I also do uh, some fitness coaching and stuff. And one thing that's, I think every, every coach deals with, especially when you're, you know, working one-to-one with people like this is, uh, you know, a sense of, a sense of imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I've, I do, I've done life coaching and, Sometimes I'll be working with someone and it's like, you know, they're very successful in their, in their own regard, you know, certainly at least in, in certain areas or whatever. And sometimes I'm kind of in my own head, you know, I, I can, I can do my job. I, I can do the job and I can do it well. And, you know, they value it and I'm helping them and everything. But sometimes there's this thing in the back of my head, like, am I, am I like qualified to be, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially if it's like someone who's like, you know, a decade older than me and I'm, you know, they, they've been through things and are in situations that I'm not, I haven't even experienced. And I'm here like saying, okay, you know, I think this, or I think that, or, you know, maybe with yourself, right. If you're dealing with someone who's been, um, you know, married for like a, a long period and, you know, they've been through this and that, and maybe they're a bit mm-hmm. old, then how do you, um, how, how do you, how do you deal with that yourself just in terms of having that sort of confidence of not being like, do I, am I out of my depth here? Do you know, am I, am I the right person to be, to be doing this, um, even though you know you very well maybe, but there's always that sort of sort of thing in your head that just sort of niggles at you. Yeah, so there's there's two parts of that I would say. So one of it is that someone in that case who's going to come to me, and it's kind of and that thought might cross my mind, like, well, like, can I really help this person? Mm. They're actually they're usually people who, from an objective standpoint, you wouldn't even think maybe needed that much help. Yeah, right, but. The, the thing, and I, it's the same, I, I live this myself, the high performers always have coaches. That's true. Because it's always about like, okay, yeah, things are, are here, but I want them to go here. Mm. How do I make things even better? And so one of the things I have to remember for myself is that, okay, this isn't for, you know, it's very, it's like very rewarding when you're with a guy who's sort of dating your life is in shambles and you can help them put these pieces together. And it's just like, Oh my God, like everything's changed now. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. that's an amazing feeling with these other guys. You're dealing with much more subtle things mm. and you have to understand that their expectations are actually not even about something going 
crazy. Like they're paying for the, that like extra insight or two, even if they're just like minor tweaks, it's like, oh, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's it. And they do a lot of the, I mean, they're smart. They do a lot of the work for you, but you give them objectivity and you give them a place for them to, to bounce ideas and their experience off of. And they are the people who are often, I mean, they're among the, the most happy about the experience. I'm sure you're used to this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of it also is just, you just have to change your, your own expectation for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it's just one of those interesting things. I mean, I, I haven't worked in the corporate world for, for a long time now, but when I used to, I was a management consultant for a while and that was one of the challenges for me, right? Because I'd come out of university, it's like I'm 21, 22 years old and I'm being dropped into like these big blue chip companies and I'm supposed to be giving them advice or, you know, con consulting them on their business. You know, I'm there like 22 years old. I'm there like talking to someone who's 55 working mm -hmm. at JP Morgan, you know, trying to <laughs> give them, give them advice on their business and stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm, and again, on, on one hand, I'm like, okay, I'm doing my job and I'm doing well. But on the other hand, like what on earth, like makes me think I'm, <laughs> I know, man. Think I'm qualified to be doing this. <laughs> so it's, uh, I guess it's something that's, that's always going to be there in a, in a whole lot of different situations. Um, so in terms of uh what are some of the what are, what are some of the main issues or the main problems? Well, firstly, actually I have a question. Do you do you work just with men or do you work yes, with men? Yes, I just okay. work with men. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of maybe maybe you can still be might still be able to do both sides though, but like in terms of the problems that guys have in this regard or you know maybe some of their their misconceptions or things that they're just kind of doing wrong when it comes to women and relationships and things like that. What are sort of the most common errors or mistaken beliefs or things that you come across or just observe generally? Yeah. Well, one of the more common ones, and I'm sure you've, you've heard this before is the, is the nice guy syndrome. Mm. Um, it, I think on a macro level, what you see today in society, it's a real problem is the depolarization of men and women. Okay. So, uh, women have been trying to become more masculine because that's what culture has been telling them to do. Mm -hmm. And men have become more feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that's what culture has been telling them to do. And the results have been abysmal. I mean, it's been just absolutely terrible for attraction for both parties. Um, so getting guys out of that position where they're where they're wimps and they're really trying to cater to a woman's emotions. I think that that's a really important thing. Like she can do, she can react however she wants to react, mm -hmm. but he's still going to go off and he's still going to do his own things. Now, of course there's more nuance to that on, on certain levels. It doesn't mean that you just become inconsiderate. Sure. I am, uh, I'm very, very opposed to the gender war in general. Okay. And I, th and I think that it's, I mean, it's just disastrous. So I, I'm also opposed to guys viewing women as the adversary, but mm -hmm. There's a difference between understanding that women are different and they respond to different things versus viewing them as someone who's like out to get you and trying yeah, yeah. to, cause then you just become actually, you just precipitate the problem. Yeah, sure. And, that, and there's a lot of that on both sides at the moment. You know, it's uh, people know I'm, I'm critical, very critical of modern day, what people call feminism, you know, modern day mm -hmm. feminism. Um, because I think it just contributes to this whole, you know, selling young women 
certain messages and telling them that, you know, whether it's men are out to get you or, you know, there's this thing called uh, rape culture that mm-hmm. you know lots of men are complicit with, or, you know, you're paid unfairly and there's the patriarchy and, you know, all, all men are, we're secretly plotting against women of how we can, you know, put the boot down on them. And all of these sort of ideas, you know, whether a man is, if a man is nice to you, he's being benevolently sexist. If he's mean to you, he's just being outright sexist. It's like, no matter, no matter what they do, it's like they filter something through a lens that makes mm-hmm. men just go evil. And I think that, no, sorry, be evil. And there's a, there, there, there can also be a reactionary movement on the other side, right? Which you do see with certain types of men and certain online communities and things where mm-hmm. they're sort of just the inverse of that, where it's like, okay, no matter what, it's women are just like this, or all women are like that, or, you know. Yeah, hypergamy, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and it can, yeah. you know, like there can be elements. I think, I think the reason these appeal to people, well, one, first, because I think people are angry and people, um, people like communities and people have certain anecdotal things they've seen or certain experiences, which they then like to use to paint large swathes of people or just the world or whatever with very broad strokes. Um, and yeah, I think, and I think it also appeals to people because there in, in most ideas and ideologies and belief systems, there's at least a kernel of truth. Mm-hmm. Right? Even, mm-hmm. even like, Mo, even like most ex, even like extreme ideologies and things right there's normally like a kernel of truth in them right they they've got something right you know that 10% is correct but then they mm-hmm. that 10% to like paint like a crazy other 90% you see what i mean and it's like that is that seems to appeal to a certain a certain type of person i don't know well i think that people it's guys in particular who have been really damaged and really hurt and so they're in this trauma, trauma, traumatized position. And when someone basically tells them, yeah, you've been a victim. Yes. And, you know, it's not your fault. You were lied to. Like, it's, I mean, I understand and, and to an extent in the very beginning, some degree of pacing, like, hey, it's okay. Like, you were lied to. Mm. But they have to leave the victim role, especially if they have any hopes of actually being good with women. Yes, of course. Uh, it, it, everything is about taking agency. And I think that, you know, you have these, there is a subset of women that are extremely brainwashed and, you know, seeing a lot of the things that you you were mentioning about, yeah. you know, guys are sexist no matter what they do. No matter what, yeah. A lot of w- the work I do is to help guys use discernment to screen women out, qualify mm-hmm. women better. Okay. Because there are a lot of women who, what they really just need is they need a guy who's strong and confident in himself and women will shift their perceptions accordingly. I mean, frankly, we only need 20% of men to be like really, really strong and fighting against this and setting a standard for how Mm -hmm. men should behave Mm -hmm. for the entire facade to collapse. That's true. Because I mean, society follows these passionate minorities and, and women follow those men. That's true. So it's really about, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to save all of them because yeah. a lot of guys, I, I mean, a lot of them are just, they're going to play this victim role or they're, they're going to pr- prefer to be brainwashed. And mm-hmm. there's no, no, no nuance that you can go in this third position where it's like, yeah, we don't have to hate women, but stop taking what they say so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. People, people struggle with balance in general, don't they? A lot of people think everything's binary, right? It's either that yeah. way. It's either all the way there 
mm-hmm. it's all the way there. Either it's, you know, women are perfect and angels and men are the complete problem. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to self-flagellate and I'm going to complain about men and I'll put feminine, male feminist in my Twitter bio and, you know, I'll lament how evil men are. Or like some other extreme where it's just like, yeah, you know, women are just this and it's just that, and you know, yeah. just, you know, and it's like, come on, guys, you know, we we kind of need each other here as a as a species, as, you know. So can we at least uh, can we get on? I, here's here's a question. I mean, where where and when do you think this really started to change, and what do you think were the main factors? Because one one observation um, is that a lot of these. I mean, not not all of it, but a lot of what we're talking about is somewhat unique to the Western mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of it is also unique to just modern times. I think if you were to go back to just, you know, our parents' generation, then the whole dynamic was just was just very different. So mm-hmm. what do you think? You know, I have my own ideas, but I'm curious to know what you think is the is the cause for that. Well, I think that there are two aspects to it. So the first was that you had in um after world war ii mm-hmm. i mean world war ii it was an extraordinarily traumatic experience for the western world i don't think that people even at this time period quite comprehend you know how serious it was especially in europe and so you had after the war you had a lot of men who were coming home and, you know, we, we really do idolize the, the greatest, you know, the greatest generation, so to speak. And I don't, I'm not saying any of this to be like dismissive of, of everything they did, but the reality is like men came back from that and, and they were traumatized. Yeah. Right. And so you had this, they were, they had a very, and, and that combined with jobs that were taking them away from their family. It was, you had this sort of sole breadwinner experience where they were off at jobs all day long and they came back and a lot of tension and I think trauma inside of them. And so they were not, let's just say the most affectionate um, parents generally. It's not to say that they were bad parents, but there was a distance. Mm-hmm. And I think that their children, I mean, we like to make fun of boomers, but um, it's important to understand also where they were coming from in their context. They could have, you know, they, they did go too far yeah. in many ways, but, there is, I think, an understandable backlash in that context to, especially with, you know, you have like Vietnam and you have this constant threat of nuclear war, that there is a sense that maybe like mas- this masculinity was toxic, mm-hmm. the way that things were. Maybe there yeah. was something about it that wasn't quite right. And I think that there is also ideological subversion that played on this. I mean, a lot of the narratives around feminism, you know, were not, uh, they didn't just come out of it either. Right. They had been working there for a while. And you can look at the economics, right? The fact that when we did have women, they brought, tried to bring women into the corporate workforce. Uh, basically, within 20 years, you had people making the same amount for t- as, you know, two people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So th- there was definitely other things going on that preyed on this feeling. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the feeling there. And it was a sense that, you know, as a guy, like men, maybe need to allow more emotion to to flow through them without being like a, like a bitch or anything, but being able to have, (laughs) you know, there's a difference between like being a bitch and being repressed. Yes. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's a, there is this third position where you can be able to process emotions and feel them and Mm -hmm. without being feminine. Yes. So 
I think that that's where some some of it came in, and then you had all the economics things. But you know, what's interesting also is I think that you notice that feminism is most strong in sort of Anglo countries, yes, for the most part. And I've been thinking about this because communism actually had feminism, mm-hmm. and you have the women in in the Eastern Bloc. They are extraordinarily educated, right? They worked during communist period, mm-hmm. and yet they have not lost their femininity. That's true. And I think for them, they understand that, you know, like we've been able to do all the things that guys do and we don't, as a result, value it that much. Mm. They understand that what works on guys is femininity and, and they want to feel like a woman. And, you know, so they'll get their PhD in era and, you know, astrophysics yeah. Yeah. and still go out and, and wear high heels and want the guy to, you know, open the door and stuff like that. I mean, Slavic women are, my, my wife's Polish, Slavic women, you know, they're, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that you should like, there's a lot of <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. As you have dated Slavic women know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think that if you contrast them with Anglo American women, especially American women who have been, I mean, they were frankly pampered mm. to a large degree, especially after the war. And I think it was the same in sort of, upper upper middle class, which is also where the feminist ideas came from. Yeah. So you have women who actually were completely pampered and they didn't do anything. And so since they had no agency, this ideology that, well, yeah, we actually don't do because men didn't let us. That's the reason why. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why there's so much hysterics over here. It actually comes from, I think, deep down, a sense that And maybe this is changing, but a sense that they were actually not able to do things. Mm. And so they were projecting it outward on men. So, you know, men maybe have a little bit to blame because we we pampered them too much. And by the way, I don't I don't think that that's like a good strategy. I know that there's there's some in, you know, manosphere circles There's some pushback, I think, that tries to go to the 1950s again. Yes. And I think it's important that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. That was an anomaly in history. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, that's that's sort of where my sense of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's interesting, man. It's I, I like. Um, I mean, it's always interesting to see how things are how things are interconnected. You know, both you know, globally, historically, anything. It's like if you're going to look at the world in 2020, then you might need to go back some decades or centuries ago. To really understand, like, okay, why? What is it that brought us here? Like, what was? And it, it's strange how some of these things are connected. You know, how can someone who someone who doesn't really think deeply might think, like, oh wait, like, why is he talking about World War Two? What does World War Two have to do with what's going on now? But like, when you can draw these links and connections and sort of see where things stem from and bubble up from and the re- responses and reactions in different countries, it really helps you to understand the world. A lot better or if you're just looking at another nation and you're thinking okay why is um i don't know why is china the way it is why is saudi arabia the way it is why are why is you know even the languages they speak in different countries right mm-hmm. you know like why do they speak english in nigeria right it's because you know for oh you know, look at the history right mm-hmm. oh why do they speak portuguese in that country oh they speak spanish in that one they speak french in that. and it's like it's all just interesting how this stuff happens and then another thing i think is super interesting is um just the the impact of technology, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you're if you're talking, mm-hmm. I, was, I was speaking about this with my girlfriend the other day. If you're talking about um, you know, modern relationships and 
the situation of certain things. It's like, actually, you have to, you have to also consider the role, of, the role of technology and how technology has just changed, has just changed the game in, in, so, yeah. many, in so many ways, not just in relationships, but just, just everything. I mean, look at what we're doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. This is technology. Mm-hmm. We, we came across each other on Twitter and started following each other and chatting on there. And now we're recording this podcast, yeah, which, yeah. you know, thousands of people are then going to download and listen to. And it's like, whoa, that, that's new. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all, all of this is new. People can now just, you know, you, the connections and everything like this, you went from these little small communities and things where even just to go to another city a hundred mm-hmm. years ago, like that was a, that was a mission, right? Yeah. It's a huge mission. We're going to go from, you know, uh, we're going to go from New York to, Idaho, you know, like that's a, <laughs> that, that, that's a mission, right? You need to prepare for this for like, you know, several weeks and it's this long journey and whatever. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think it's, it's amazing how rapidly things have changed. And I don't think the average person has, I don't think the average person really takes time to sort of think like, whoa, like what, what's going on here? You know, what, what are yeah, we dealing with? All of these social movements are, are downstream of the social conditions, which are course impacted by technology i mean Mm -hmm. you can like the i even the concept of feminism was ludicrous prior to the industrial revolution because most people were agricultural and i mean they spent time together as a family i mean there was a division of labor but it was all for the same purpose and it was also good because boys would spend a lot of time with their fathers when you had industrialization fathers would work in factories for 16 hours a day 12 16 Mm. hours boys were separated they were thrown in public schools that were not that were outside of the community so i mean i think it's one of the reasons why you see like a lot more masculine a lot of the guys who get very healthy healthy sort of masculinity comes from more of like a rural area because Mm. they have the family together and they're able to, to spend time together um Whereas the suburbs, I think, are probably the worst, the worst situation for it. So um, we'll see how that shifts over time. I think that we're in for a lot of technological changes. Yeah. What do, you for, what do you foresee in that regard? Well, man, I mean, I, I think that this next decade, things are going to accelerate really, really quickly, especially because, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but all the stuff with, with coronavirus. Um, I think that there's more things that are going on behind the scenes and that, I mean, without getting too, too conspiratorial here, and this is not, by the way, for anybody who's listening, it's not to dismiss anything with Corona, which is real and it's dangerous. And you guys, people should take high dose vitamin C and chaga mushrooms. (laughs) You know, this is proven to kill it off within 24 to 48 hours. But, um, I I do think that there's going to be some big societal shifts that come after this, I think our economic system is going to be shifting after this. I think mm-hmm. a lot of what we perceived in our, our political apparatus is going to change. I think culture is going to change as well. So okay. what, what are some big ones that you think? Well, um, with, in which one economics in, or anything? in any category, what are okay. two or three right. sort of big shifts that you potentially think, okay, this could actually happen. Well, I think that central banking is gone. Okay. That that's, that's done. I mean, Trump, just this weekend took control of the fed this is a this is very like it's not advertised publicly but by declaring uh i think it was like some defense production act he basically took control of the federal reserve and it's effectively merged with the treasury now okay and i think it's going to be a controlled demolition over the next couple of months to a year okay it's going to go back so fiat currency is over i mean 
So helicopter money is not going to be something that we have in the future. Well, um, you, so you, you think it'll go back to, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an economic expert in this regard, but you think it'll go back to some kind of gold standard or how? I, I've, I've heard some, I, I'm not an economic expert either, yeah, yeah. but I've, I've heard like a gold silver base, but also on the blockchain oh, as wow. well. Okay. So I, I don't, and I don't know how that actually gets worked out mm. in practice. But, uh, but yeah, that's the, that's the direction I see things going. And I mean, technologically, I just, I think there's a lot of technology that has not been revealed at this point. And so I think that's going to come out as a disclosure as well. And I can only speculate with that, but go on, go on, hit us with one. What, what do you think? What do you think could be under wraps? All right. All right. Let's, let's, let's get crazy. We're, get, we're, get, we're getting crazy here. So <laughs> I'll put on my, my Alec Jones. Uh, yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> I had a podcast with this recently <laughs> with, uh, with Craig James. I mean, it, we, we, we went all into that stuff. Okay. Okay. All into that stuff. Yeah. Let's, um, let's scrape it. A lot of the technology is going to require us to raise our consciousness and raise our vibration. So by that, I mean, right now we have this mindset that's very much like victim, savior, perpetrator. And mm-hmm. this is like, a, it's like kind of like the karmic dynamic, the third dimensional karmic dynamic. And if we're going to raise to a higher vibration, it's just sort of like, it, it's, it's not being so quick to, to judge and to attack other people, sort of understanding objectively the role that, that people pl- play with each other and mm-hmm. having a lot of love and and uh, love and humor versus like anger and fear. Fear is like the, the big one here. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the population is not in the position for that yet. I do think it's going to start to shift gradually. So a lot of this technology, I mean, if, if some of the things that I've read is true, and I mean, there's already been contact with, with extraterrestrials, basically, and that that's Ooh. all involved in the stuff that's going on here. And so that allows... I've heard of like replicator technology. Um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know, okay. but I, it, it is, some of the stuff is really far out and I don't know how fast it's going to come, but I know that like, for instance, um, we'll ha- we're going to have internet directed from satellites on space. I mean, SpaceX has basically been space force. Mm-hmm. Most of space force has been outsourced to SpaceX for okay. years. And that's now, I mean, they're, they're actually now just revealing this. They revealed it last week. I think that our, our future is in the stars, man. When when you say our future, do you do you think do you think in and our we'll life? We'll see. This is either going to sound nuts. <laughs> that's cool, man. I like I like stuff. That's no, no. Nuts. I I think I think legitimately within a decade. Oh, within a decade, you think? Yeah, I mean, we're not leaving Earth. I'm not talking about that stuff. That's okay. Crazy. But, but when you but when you say the, the so what do you mean what do you mean specifically when you say that? I mean that our focus was going to start to to be towards the sort of galactic community and look i'm gonna look nuts on this podcast or i'm gonna look Mm -hmm. really prescient yeah but i think that there's a lot of disclosure that's going to happen this year and a a lot of the things that we're seeing right now is just it's just the beginning of it just the beginning of it i'm 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 curious i don't think we've uh started to scratch the surface of what 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 we're even doing down here first yet but we'll uh yeah we'll see man i I like to you know i don't i don't really care if ideas and theories sound like inverted commas crazy to people or whatever. I just like to, you know, and, and look, there's so much stuff that <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that, that we're dealing with right now. And that we have right now, that if you went 20 years ago and you, you told people, they'd be like, oh, dude, come on, that sounds, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds crazy. You know, if you just look, look, just look at smartphones, right? Imagine like, go back, imagine going to like 1950, let alone 1900 
and explaining like the smartphones and social media to people, let the internet. Right? How would you even? Mm. How do you even explain it? You'd be like, yeah, like everyone's got this like little device, and it's you know it's a computer, and they'll be like, what's a computer? Okay, well it's uh, we've got this thing, and everyone has one, and you know we can communicate by voice and video and text and we can look up all the information that's anywhere in the world like instantaneously and we could we can all communicate in real time and you can they just be like looking at you like what what mm-hmm. are you even you know they put this guy in the asylum like what's he what, <laughs> what is he talking about i think that the big thing for people to remember is that the the universe is quantum in nature which means that there's there's all sorts of different possibilities for for where things go mm-hmm. right what you can manifest you know you've heard of like the law of attraction it's because you have the ability through your focus to direct outcomes mm-hmm. and so a lot of how people have been controlled is actually by convincing them to believe things that are bad for them which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why negativity is such a bad thing because it actually starts to manifest mm-hmm those outcomes. And so if you take this to a different level, like I think a lot of what's going on right now is actually, it's like timeline fighting. It's that there's like people who believe, because you've known this, you know, from being in the political space that sometimes it feels like people are living in two different worlds. Oh, totally. Totally. It's, it's two different timelines. Mm. And those two timelines are sort of fighting for dominance, which is why one day it seems like, like even with coronavirus, Mm. sometimes you're reading stuff and it's like, this is going to be like shutting down everything. Everyone's going to, you know, people are going to die. We can expect yeah. this to go on for, and then another people are, it's like, no, it's actually not that big of a deal. Like people are yet yeah, hurt. Some people are dying, but like, it's mostly under control yeah. and you can just feel it's like, it's almost like two different realities are, are fighting for each other. And I believe that, I mean, that is actually what is happening in that the reality that you, you manifest, that's where, that's where things go. Gotcha. No, that's really that's a really interesting thought. That's something to I haven't heard it sort of framed that way. So I will uh I will mull on that for a while. Yeah. Um I'm just looking at the I'm just looking at the time, Pat. We're gonna need to uh to be wrapping this up fairly soon. But I wanted to uh see is there anything that you've got out or got coming sort of this year or that you've got out right now that you want people to be aware of and potentially to check out? Yeah, well I think that I mean most of the work I do with clients is coaching. Mm-hmm. But I have a master class out, and this is I think it's a it's a good opportunity for people who want to really understand my work. It's over fourteen hours and okay. uh, and it's also it's a it's basically i I made it for clients who are doing just like basic coaching with me, so it's not as much one on one time mm-hmm. but they have I cover the vast majority of the topics that I cover with clients. Like I go and tackle it video after video and it runs the gauntlet from really deep psychological work to female nature, to dating game, relationship work, intimacy, sex. So it's really, I mean, and because of the deep nature of it, it doesn't even, even if you're in a relationship, you're going to get value out of like 90% of it. Even the sections on dating, there's stuff that's going to be directly applicable for your relationship. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a Pat Steadman masterclass. So I recommend that. And if people just want to see what I'm all about and how I think, this email list, which I send out emails almost every day, mm-hmm. it's all in dating relationships. And uh, that's www.patsteadman.com slash opt-in. Okay. So awesome. Put a link in there. And uh, people can follow you on social media as well? Yep. Pat underscore Steadman. Awesome. Pat Steadman, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, man. Thank you, Zuby. Appreciate it.
Sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram. Stunt me, destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.